Hi, and welcome to Data in Depth, a podcast where we delve into advanced analytics, business intelligence, and machine learning, and how they're revolutionizing the manufacturing sector. Each episode, we share new ideas and best practices to help you put your business data to work. From the shop floor to the back office, from optimizing supply chains to customer experience, the factory of the future runs on data. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Data in Depth, the podcast exploring the world of big data and its role in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Andrew Reiser. Today, we are joined by Mike Wertheim. Mike has more than 30 years of IT and data management experience, and I know he won't mind me saying this, but he's a self-proclaimed data nerd. He's currently the manager of application development at Hayward Industries, an industry leader in manufacturing swimming pool equipment. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Andrew. It's uh, great to be here with a fellow nerd. I also take no offense into that. <laughs> so, Mike, let's let's first get started by learning a little bit more about you. We like to ask what was your journey and path, and if you could share kind of what brought you into this world of data and IT and, and what led you to your career at Hayward. Sure. Well, as you said, I've, I've been in IT more than 30 years. Uh, it was a pretty straightforward shot out of college. Uh, started off as a software developer and pretty quickly I progressed into an IT management role. Early in my career, I actually worked for a paper manufacturer out of New Jersey. We merged with a similar company, and um, I got my first real good look at the chaos and opportunity provided by merging companies and having a multi-platform environment. And that's when I kind of got hooked on the concept of data and how managing it could really drive a business. You know, later on, I worked for a Microsoft business partner out of New York City and managed a team of Dynamics developers. And being in that Microsoft technology stack really saw the beauty of, you know, a powerful database engine and what could really be done with that environment. That's something that was was new to me. So that helped uh, shape my thoughts about databases and, and tool sets. And my last company was a conglomerate of three lighting manufacturing companies owned by a single private equity firm. So each of the companies had a mature solution in terms of their ERP applications and you know master data management and business analytics was really critical at that juncture. You know, which brings me to my current position. I've been with Hayward for five years. Uh, I manage a multidisciplinary team of developers, and we're basically responsible for all our core business applications, you know, running the majority of what we do as a company. Um, we do do a lot of manufacturing in the U.S., which I know is rare these days, but we also have plants in Canada, France, Spain, China, Australia. You know, we've got a lot of growth over the years, and it certainly makes our environment technically challenging and uh, and diverse. Um you know, but in order to move forward, data is it. Data is the place to do that. The only thing that everything here has in common is data. You know, every problem we see, every project we work on basically starts and ends with data. So that is how I uh, came to my life as a data nerd. <laughs> so, Mike, that was a fantastic summary of your career journey and I think a, a great segue into diving a little bit deeper into why is data important to Hayward? Well, data is important to everybody. I just want to point that out. But uh, for Hayward, 
you know, just like a lot of companies, we are a manufacturing company, like I said, maybe a little rare in this day and age, but it comes down to the bottom line. I mean, we use data for everything. And yes, we determine how our company's doing, but we need to do more than that. We need to drive profits and really grow the business and participate in that. So, you know, I'll give you three ideas of some things that, you know, make data specifically very important to Hayward. You know, we are a big company that's in a mature market. Uh, The swimming pool industry has been around a long time. And the way to grow in that market is through acquisition. We are constantly looking for acquisition opportunities. It's hard to grow market share, and it's hard to branch out in the world without acquisition. So that's a strategy. And as everybody knows, you know, when you acquire a company and there's a different set of data, you know, there's there's a lot of problems, and that's something that's really important to us. You know, the other thing is we are definitely trying to compete. We are traditionally been a B2B company, but we're trying to compete in this age of online purchasing. And there's so many channels that people buy their products from. And to do that, we've really got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper than our direct customers. We've got to reach out. We've got to reach out to our dealers and we've got to reach out to the actual consumers when possible. And the last thing is technology. We have several opportunities to utilize newer technologies, IoT, Everybody knows Internet of Things is a big thing, but we're trying to do more than just make the next great product. We're trying to gather the data that's going to help us make business decisions, grow business, and basically use those smart devices for our business intelligence. So, Mike, I I think those are are great summaries of how manufacturers are thinking about their their roadmap for digital transformations and the hurdles that they're typically coming up against as it relates to not only acquisitions, but also to your point around thinking differently at that Amazon effect of not only being a B2B customer or manufacturer, rather, but also thinking about uh, the end customer. So B2B to C. And then also new technologies that get introduced. So there's a lot there to unpack. So if you don't mind, let's kind of dig into each one of those and dive a little bit deeper. So to start off with, let's talk about acquisitions. So you told me that that Hayward's been around for about 80 plus years. Most recently, there's been private equity uh, investment into the organization. So what are you seeing since your time there over the past five years and the impact of acquisitions as it relates to data? Well, things are working at uh, light speed, as they say. I've been with the company five years, and we have acquired five different companies. Now, of those companies, uh, only one of them has been able to be absorbed into our back-end ERP systems, either because their business is different, their data models are different, or maybe it's just not practical in a short period of time. So that just gives us a, a major focus on things like master data management, where we've got to all be talking the same language. In the past, I've worked with companies who maybe have one acquisition or one merger in 20 years, but we're talking about, you know, a very fast pace. So I'm sure that your listeners, you know, they've been through this process before and they absolutely know what types of things and types of problems this can cause. You know, of course, the first thing when we acquire a company, we've got to get some basic data. We've got to know their sales. We've got to know their products. We've got to report that all the way up to the highest level and up to private equity. But I mean, there's so many things where our strategies are varied, you know, as much as possible. Like I said, we did absorb one company into our systems. You've got to try to, 
you know, reduce the data sources when possible. It's not always practical. But, you know, these companies are also mature. They're not brand new companies. So they have their own data strategies. I mean, those are things that if they don't align with ours, you know, we're just going to be bumping heads the whole time. So we've got to take a corporate approach to straightening that out. So the MDM, and I know we're going to talk about MDM today, you know, basically the entire concept of giving our subsidiaries and our other companies the ability to see our data, report data back to us, and all the way up to the top levels to be able to produce a seamless view, a 360 view of our companies, and then, of course, lower and lower, 360 view of every level below that. So we're trying our best to maintain data in one place, have master data and operational data marts and things that could make our lives easier. But it's it's definitely a struggle when they come at you at 90 miles an hour. It's something that we, we've got to deal with every single day. Absolutely. And that's just one component of it. So when you think about these acquisitions, we always like to talk about these digital transformations involving people, processes, and technology, and data being an, an integral part of all that. So when you factor in those other three components, you can see where, where these are difficult problems. So I think for those listening, it's a problem that everybody's facing, but I think the good news is is that it's not insurmountable and, and that there are ways that you can think about it in a tactful way, combining both technologies, but also thinking about where it makes uh, the best business sense. Yeah, I'm a big fan of technology. I've been in technology my whole life, but technology isn't all the answers. And like you said, you know, understand the problem, um, working through it at, with all the participants really makes the thing smoother. And then any technology that can help us, that's great. We'll apply that as much as possible. Great. So let's touch on the the second example you gave, uh, the need to better understand the end user experience. So what we're talking about here is really channel management. Uh, So historically, manufacturers traditionally sold through distribution or dealer networks. And now uh, the big trend is is really understanding who's that tip of the spear that's actually using the products and and how do we get uh, and obtain more data around that. So maybe you can expand upon that example a little bit more, Mike. Yes. I mean, Hayward was always a traditional B2B company, and we focused on selling products through a distribution channel. Uh, We wanted to sell more product to raise our revenue, and that was great. Um, Like I said before, it's a mature market, and you've got to be creative, and you've got to look at other alternatives. So getting down to the next level is really critical to us. We're so blind when it comes to selling our products through the distribution channel. So now in conjunction with our distributors, we are actually collecting data about the products that they sell to their customers, which are typically like dealers, the people that you would buy pool equipment from. That data is so valuable. It's probably the number one thing that our executives are looking for. Where are the products getting sold? What are they buying? Why are they buying it? What aren't they buying? If you don't have that visibility, that's tough. And then the other thing is you want to figure out how to reach out to consumers. We're never going to sell directly to consumers, but we've got to drive that consumer demand. And there are different ways of doing it. That You mentioned before the B2B2C. We are exploring opportunities to offer things to consumers that will drive them to our dealers, our dealers driven to distribution. And, you know, that's really critical. But when you get all this data, when you're talking about consumer data and dealer data, you're talking about data that's going to be 
uh, potentially ugly. I wouldn't say always ugly. Sure. But it's got a lot of challenges. And when we're getting data from our distributors, well, we can control what they do. But then when they're getting data from their customers and their customers are getting data from consumers, we're talking about the data quality just deteriorating. So I always use the example, it's a photocopy of a photocopy. You know, it just gets worse and worse. That just puts more, I mean, it's still super valuable data, but it has to be cleansed. It has to be homogenized. I mean, it has to be something that we can use to, you know, to be actionable on our, in our favor. Yep. Yeah, I love that analogy of a, a photocopy of a photocopy, and in some cases, <laughs> of a photocopy. So <laughs> Def- uh, Definitely. <laughs> so let's, let's keep pulling on this string a little bit more and talk about, some examples around that that in the consumer data and why that's important. So um, maybe you can describe a little bit of the, the value that that type of data brings to the company. Sure. I mean, like I said, we were quite blind to it. And if we're going to do any sort of sales and marketing analysis of our products, we need to get down to that level. We need to know geography. We need to know what channels things are being sold through. And that's really critical. Now, we are a manufacturer of swimming pool equipment. And as much information as we can gather about who's buying our products, where they are, how they're using them, you have to understand that our equipment is sensitive to weather conditions, right? So if you're in Miami, our pool pump might have a life expectancy of five years. And if you're in Saskatchewan, you know, our pool pump might last 20 years. So very important to understand um, where that, you know, especially for the way we service products, the way we warranty products, the way we sell products, who we target. I mean, you cannot get that information without understanding more about the consumers. And if you can't get the end consumer, you've got to get the dealers and incentivize them to get more information and you know, selling more product. It's just another method of moving that along. So for all those reasons, the getting closer to that consumer is just unbelievably valuable. And it's like I said, it's like a number one priority. We're getting asked about this data on a daily basis. That makes sense. And I, I think those are some things that make sense when you talk about them, but are often overlooked. So knowing the impacts and knowing that, all right, it's summertime, I want to be able to hop into my pool when everything is working. And behind the scenes, you guys are crunching all that data and identifying, oh, well, we should probably uh, communicate with the end consumer that because of this region, uh, they've had our part for 10 plus years, so they should maybe service it before we we turn on the the pumps and all that for the, the summertime. So Lots of real-world examples that I think, again, often get kind of overlooked. But as an end consumer, we don't care about all that. But as the manufacturer, you guys absolutely do. Yeah, well, every manufacturing you know, sector, they're seeing that servicing, adding value to your products, understanding if, if you can identify what's going to go wrong. It's also an opportunity to potentially upsell products, right? I mean, you know it's got a certain lifespan. It's, that's the time where you market to people. So... There's just a lot of opportunity there. Yep, absolutely. And I I think this is a a great segue into Internet of Things. So how do we take these traditionally dumb components, if you will, and make them smart? How is Hayward thinking about that? And how are you guys approaching IoT and, and smart devices? Well, IoT is obviously a huge topic. Uh, it's It's a topic for consumers. It's a topic for manufacturers. And as opposed to what a lot of people think, these devices are not just for spying on consumers, although it, maybe they are a little bit. <laughs> but um, 
We uh, we definitely have an IoT initiative that's really exciting. You know, IoT it it does benefit consumers. I mean, we we have two basic connected device initiatives that are really pretty interesting. Of course, if you sell a nice new piece of equipment, you know, it benefits consumers, but it also can benefit trade partners. If we have connected devices, consumers can see, oh yeah, what my products are doing, but you know, we can also share information with the consumer's permission to trade partners and see like, well, what if something's not running optimally? Or, you know, what if there's something else that can we can we sell another product? Can we service another product? Can we help? It all adds value. And it certainly benefits us because it gives us an opportunity. It's more data and it's more things that we can act upon. So our two basic product lines that we have, that we have a chemical monitoring system, which is basically a a floating connected device that monitors chemical levels, pool temperature, and there's a lot of telemetry there that reports back data. Now, the consumers have an app where they can see what's going on, and that's great. They know more about their pool. They can share that information with servicers that say, uh-oh, you have consistent problems. Maybe I should come out and help you out. But the other thing with this device, which a lot of manufacturers are figuring out, these connected devices have other revenue streams as well because we can sell a device through distribution. But what we do, what the special sauce is, if anybody out there has has other connected devices like ring cameras, there's a recurring cost to selling monitoring. Now, the other thing we do with these chemical monitors is we actually sell chemicals. It's a clever device, and it we sell chemicals in what you would think of as pods, like Tide pods. So your connected device tells you, uh-oh, you've got an issue, you know, put in, and they're actually color-coded, so you don't even have to know what they are. Please drop in two blue, three green, and a red into your pool, and that will fix your problems. So that's that's a lot of things. That's cool tech. But we're also selling chemicals. Yep. And those pods are, you know, potentially more expensive than chemicals you can buy off the shelf. So, you know, we are connected. We're, we're connecting on the service side. We're connecting on the consumable side. And it's all because of the data we're able to collect and to give to all the entities. So there's nothing like this in the world in terms of the benefit of collecting that much data. That's great. And I was just going to say it all just benefits the the end consumer in my mind. So as an end consumer, I'm willing to pay more for that level of information. And to be honest, to, to make it as simple as possible of hitting the easy button. So if I know I've got an issue and it's color coded and I do exactly what you just described, that that's a win for me. <laughs> It's really great technology. I think it's one of the coolest products I've seen in a long time. Um, and the other thing is, you know, in our business, the tech is is more towards, I mean, we have heaters, pumps, filters, and all kinds of stuff with a lot of technology in it. But we have control systems that also have a lot of data associated with them. They're controlling all the equipment on your pool, around your pool, on your pool pad. So, you know, you can control you know, simple things like you can turn your lights on and off or change, you know, the heat levels. But in reality, you can do a lot more than that. You get information, you get insights. And like I said before, dealers and distributors can get insights and we can get insights. How are people using their products? You know, how are they using their heaters? Do they use lights? Is that an opportunity? You people use lights all the time. How do we turn that into a marketing strategy? So yep. IoT is lots of data, but, you know, it's fun and good for the consumers, but it's great for us as well. Yeah, that's great. And those are are great examples and and descriptions of that. So 
Mike, let's pivot back and, and touch again on e-commerce. So before we were hopping onto this podcast, you were talking about some initiatives and projects that all kind of focus around the B2B to C strategy and where e-commerce fits in. I think this is another hot button item that, that manufacturers are dipping their toes into the water with right now and, and really figuring out what that strategy looks like. Um, is there anything that you can elaborate around Hayward's plans for e-commerce or how as a manufacturer in general you're thinking about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a big shift. This is a big shift. But I don't know anybody in this industry or, you know, in manufacturing in general that is not trying to figure out how to get closer to that consumer. So everybody is fearful of selling directly to consumers. We don't want to compete with our dealers. We don't want to compete with our distributors. So how do we get close? And one of the strategies that we're looking to implement is – Basically, to get closer to the consumer, we are thinking of selling services, and this this project is ongoing. We're going to sell services directly to consumers, but the way we're going to do it is to basically sell them on the concept of going to one of our dealers, our hand-picked dealers. As an example, we may sell a voucher, like say they have to pay $50, and we're going to send somebody out to complete a project for them. Now, what this does is this is a secure lead. I mean, lots of people say they're interested in buying products, but of course, how do you close those deals? You don't unless there's money on the table. So here's a way that we can take money from the consumer, not necessarily keep it, but we give it to one of our dealers and they go out and service the customer. And in that way, the dealer's want to work with us, you know, we're driving business to them and not just leads. We can take leads off our e-commerce platform. People can fill out a little form that says, I'd like to buy a swimming pool. But, you know, the close rates on those are very low. I mean, people are always window shopping. Yep. But in this way, we're actually really, the close rates on these are going to be so high that, you know, this is really going to be a big win for us. And, you know, the other thing that we could do potentially is go all the way in and sell products, but again, pass these off to hand-picked dealers who are going to do a great job, and we pass the, the funds to them, and, you know, they can sell and install the products. We're looking at all those strategies, and it's a way to potentially drive revenue from the ground up. I mean, some of that might be things, there might be margin in there for us up front, but it's really, it's a long-term strategy. It's consumer satisfaction. It's, again, for the first time in our history, we're really trying to drive sales and benefit to that second-tier customer, not our direct customers, but our indirect customers in the channel. And it's, it's very exciting. Now, saying that, I mean, our current e-commerce solutions, we have great public websites. We have a lot of things like typical manufacturers. Our websites are very beautiful and they provide tremendous information. It's a great shopping experience to go and you know look at our product catalogs. But when you want to take that next step, at the end of the day, people are looking at our website and going somewhere. They might go to Amazon. They might go to their local dealer. We've got to take more control of that whenever we can. So that means potentially upgrading our e-commerce platform or replacing our e-commerce platform that would give that experience and give us flexibility to really uh, to really drive that. And I think there's tremendous value as something we're taking very, very seriously. 
three or four years ago, this type of discussion, a lot of it would be finger pointing, right? Where the tier one and tier two distributors and and trading partners were fearful that the manufacturers are just looking to do an end around and cut them out of the picture. But I think more and more, especially as dialogue and conversation and and, and more importantly, strategy starts getting communicated, I think it becomes a win-win scenario for everybody like you just described. Yeah, it's it's been received very well um, as, as we're having these discussions. So um, I, I think we've got to look for every opportunity to make an impact at that level. Very cool. So I think this kind of takes us back to really drilling the message home around data. So all these different scenarios that we talked about, the underlying features and benefits is all data related. So Mike, how about you talk a little bit about the the good, bad, and the ugly of what that means and, and what you're seeing in this kind of ecosystem. And I know we hit on terms like master data management, data hygiene, data maturity, et cetera, but maybe you can dumb that down for us and, and let us know what you're really seeing and, and kind of what the things are that the folks listening to this podcast should be concerned about. Sure, Andrew. It's uh, data is, you know, ever evolving. And I agree with you. Like, yeah, the basics are pretty straightforward, right? I mean, everybody 30 years ago when I was involved in, in mergers and acquisitions, you know, yeah, there was there was mismatched data and you had to put it together. But the type of data that people are looking for is much more sophisticated and much more difficult to get. Yes, we always talk about a 360-degree view. We uh, Marketing wants to get a 360 on consumers. You know, sales wants to get a 360 on dealers. I mean, I get that, but how do you start that? I mean, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of data collection, data cleansing, you know, everything that people are aware of. Now, Hayward was purchased two years ago by a private equity firm, and that's certainly was a big shift. I mean, when we were privately held before that, sure, we were trying to increase sales and profits like any company. But now we have metrics that are much more complex, things that are, you know, industry standard. I mean, there's a lot of talk about things like working capital and finance and operations. I mean, these are these are much more important. And you can't do that with some basic sales data. I mean, you've, you've got to get lower. I mean, it's every aspect. There's a lot of financial data. There's a lot of reporting. And, it, you know, now more than ever, what they do take seriously is analytics and piece that data together themselves. They've got to produce the output and they will produce the output whether or not we have a clear data strategy. So we've got to put that in place. The way that they do it today, like a lot of companies, it's a lot of elbow grease to get out there to pull data. You're talking about subsidiaries in Australia. You're talking about sending data over emails to to put together. So you've got people collecting data, people analyzing data. But the reality is, I mean, that just takes too long Nobody has any patience for that. I and mean, we've, we've got to turn a one-week analysis into a one-hour analysis. And the only way to do that is to bring the data closer together. Like I said before, if you can eliminate data sources, that's great. That's probably you know a little bit easier than it sounds or maybe a lot easier than it sounds. But the reality is you've got to match that data. We've got to have a structure starting at the highest level of the corporation where yeah. we know what we need to report on. Now we've got a lot of people to report to. 
We've got our executive board. We've got our PE. Um, we've we've got our marketing group that's trying to do a lot of things. So definitely, we have more demands on us than we ever have before, and we're we're doing a lot. We're like I said, you know, we're collecting data from ERP systems around the world. We are providing things to help that happen. Like when we talk about master data management, one of the biggest things right now is even homogenizing the way that we look at products. Our plants around the world manufacture similar products, but they they don't ever categorize them. You know, the product hierarchies can be very, very difficult and very disparate. So those are things that we are working on now because the questions that are being asked by everybody, I can walk around our building right now in our corporate headquarters and I will bump into three different people looking for very similar data coming from a different angle. And the only way we're going to solve that is, you know, to bring that together to see what's critical. And there are a lot of critical components of this data. But like I said, we're being asked for more than ever and quicker than ever. So the only thing that's going to work is to really have a good, solid strategy to to bring this data to one place. I think that's a, a great summary and explanation. So, Mike, before I let you get back to your day, I always like to end these conversations with a, a sort of last word or, or what's next for, for you and, and Hayward. So what is on the horizon? Where do you see the next 30, 60, 90 days going? And how are you getting excited to wake up every morning to, to come tackle these problems? Oh, geez. I'm, I'm thinking of kicking back, Andrew. I, I, I think this is a good time <laughs> to start relaxing. Um, we we are do we have amazing things happening this year we're going through an implementation of uh, salesforce we are we are implementing sales service and marketing cloud all those initiatives are again to get better data to get closer to consumers to get closer to our dealers it's all related and that is a huge project and is going to take us pretty far in our journey There's definitely other initiatives. In our financial area, we are implementing a product called OneStream, which, you know, on the surface, does planning, budgeting, forecasting, um, and data consolidation, which, which is great. But these tools are really like, they really market themselves as unifying platforms. They also have analytics built in. They've got data cleansing and master data tools built in. I mean, that's what we're seeing. That's a, that's a great implementation, and it is bringing together all the things we've talked about, you know, some technology, data, all the things that the company is really, uh, really concerned about. And in terms of overarching, you know, we, we are working on a global data warehouse strategy. Now, that gets back to what I just talked about before. I mean, how are you ever going to get the information you need and provide everything that every level of management needs to do without getting data in one place? So that's part of it. We, we are working on a warehouse. We are working on analytics. You know, we want to get into more predictive analytics potentially prescriptive analytics when it comes to the manufacturing environment. And these initiatives are huge. They're all happening now. And this is why I will never vacation again. But thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it certainly sounds like uh, you've got more than enough to keep you busy. And so uh, what's exciting for me is to, to hear uh, not only the strategies that you're helping to facilitate, but, but where an 80-year-old manufacturer uh, can go and what the potential is. So we really appreciate you taking the time today, Mike, and uh, sharing your story and sharing your insights. And thanks for being with us. Well, 
Thank you, Andrew. I, I don't spend enough time talking about my passion of data. So this is a, a great opportunity for me. I, I really think it's a great uh, podcast and I appreciate you inviting me on. Fantastic. Well, for those of you listening and like to learn more about Hayward, I'd encourage you to visit hayward.com. That's H-A-Y-W-A-R-D.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mike, we'll be sure to provide a link to his social media profile uh, along with the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and or subscribe through Data in Depth available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you might listen to your podcast. And finally, as a thank you to our listeners and supporters, we're giving you a chance to listen to our podcast in style. We're offering a chance to win a pair of Bose Quiet Comfort noise canceling headphones. To enter your chance to win, please visit the website dataindepth.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook. All the details will be listed there. Thank you again for joining us. Data in Depth is produced by Mountain Point, a digital transformation consulting firm focusing on the manufacturing sector. You can find show notes, additional episodes, and more by visiting dataindepth.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.